welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I hope you enjoy this Oklahoma summer day. I've had many of them in my past, thought to never have any more of them again, but it didn't seem to work out that way. But I'm mindful that you're in the car with your air conditioners on or off. I'm mindful that you're sitting in the sun and I won't take a lot of time, but I do want to talk to you about about something that's dear to my heart. It's probably my life's message, and it may seem it may seem trite to you when I say it, because it should be everybody's life message, but it's the message about the love of God turning us into one, causing us to become one. And it might seem trite, because all of us know we're supposed to love like Christ loved us. We all, we all know this, but yet in our own humanity, we end up trying to just love more or love better and not understand that you really can't love as Christ loved in your own strength. That it's a... Um, it's a function of your connection with God that you have to grow in grace and wisdom in. And truth told, I don't do a great job of it, even though it is a message that drives my life. So I don't do a great job of it because I'm a human being, and it gets foggy at times. I'm so glad it doesn't for you, but it does for me. So probably six months or so ago, I was, uh, Gene and I were sitting in the kitchen, we were making a video, and I may have said something this to you. We were making a video, and in making that video, I just felt like the Lord said to me in a, uh, in a real pointed way, like, I don't think you're ever going to figure this out. He said, I do not love people because of who they are. I do not love people because they're worthy. I do not love people for what they can give me. I do not love people because I expect anything back from them. I love people because of who I am. And he said, you have to do this too. There's where we stumble because in our own sense of rejection, on our own disappointments in life, maybe you don't do this, but some of us are inclined to get our feelings hurt and pull back our affections. We don't think we've done anything wrong when we pull back. But the truth is, anytime you pull back your affections, anytime you close the door of your heart, anytime you close the door of your heart, you put yourself in a position that it's just a matter of time until you fall away from a relationship or a matter of time until you fall away with your relationship with the Lord. These things aren't static. They don't stay the same. They don't stay the same. If, if Gene offends me, or if I say that Jean has offended me, I have to judge Jean and say she didn't live up to what I thought she should be. My tendency is to say that I'm hurt. And what I would do was pull away so that I did not get hurt anymore. But in the process of doing that, I closed down my communications with Jean. I closed down my contact with Jean. I alter it. Jean says, what's the matter? I lie and I say nothing. None of you boys have done this. I know this. You've never done this. You need to nod your heads. Okay, good. Thanks. So this is, this is a very human condition. You pull yourself back, and that's, that's something that stops eventually your relationship with people. It stops your relationship with the Lord. So he said, 
I want you to come to a place spiritually. I want you to come up higher. I'm sorry about talking about me, but I want you to come up a place higher where you see how I love people because I want you to do the same thing. So I'm not talking about being nice to people. I'm not talking about being human to people in a good and a decent way. I'm talking about a very rough and tumble kind of love that crawls up on a cross and dies if it has to. I'm talking about an entirely different aspect that you, that you might get bruised, burnished, burned, and hurt by that is profoundly expensive because you have to come to a place and only God can bring you to this place to where you are living so large in your own heart and mind that you too, that me too, we're loving people not because of what they can give us back, not because they've deserved it, but because it's just what God himself would do. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the love of Christ constrains me, it pushes me, it compels me. It causes me to give myself away. It causes me to give myself out. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says early on in the chapter, before it gets into all the knots, it says, love is patient, love is kind. Then it says, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do this. We're not going to mess with the dozens too much, but he says, love is patient, love is kind. And firstly and foremostly, I want you to leave today understanding that it is God's love towards you that is patient and God's love towards you that is kind. And until you receive that love, that is patient and kind towards you, then you have no chance of ever giving it to anyone else. It's impossible for you to do anything other than be a nice guy, a nice lady. It's impossible for you to do anything other than to think that patience means to simply endure what's going on and that kindness is smiling at the right moment. And this is not the picture those words draw. Those words, when they say patient, it means it doesn't give up. And the reason it doesn't give up is because it knows that there is a future for you whether you've tapped into it or not. It doesn't give up because it knows that it is the only thing strong enough to pull you into a future other than what you could construct and build for yourself. And when it says that it's kind, it means it's ready there to furnish what you need for the next step. So it's a powerful love. It's a strength that has got the capacity to come along and say, you know, you don't really deserve, you're not really worthy in this particular moment of me keeping my heart open to you because you've hurt my feelings, you've disappointed me, you've offended me, you've not lived up to your side of the relationship. So my tendency is going to be to close my heart off, close my heart down so that I don't get hurt anymore, but it still remains a contributor, a giver, a supplier for whatever you might need to become the fullness and the best thing in your life. Everything God wants you to be. Later on in the chapter, it says things like love endures. There's a verse, verse 7, I think it is. It says love endures all things, but it doesn't tell you what love endures, what the things are. The things have got to be unlovely things. They've got to be when it says Love does not envy. Love isn't jealous. It says love endures. Love, love hopes. So we're Hope City Church. 
and there's a natural hope that can just kind of hope that everything gets better as you look along. But there's a supernatural hope that says things are going to get better even when things don't look like they're moving along. When things don't look like they're improving. That's what you're after. You're not after being nice people. You're not after just being washed citizens who are better human beings than you were before you were born again. You're after a supernatural life that enables you to live above and beyond all the circumstances and the events that this life are trying to weigh you down in. But yet, most of my friends, I mean, I may need better friends, most of my friends aren't there. Most of my friends are good human beings. Most of the time, I'm a good human being. But that is not the same thing as living in another realm, living beyond where I'm at, so that I don't have to judge you for your walk in life, your journey, whether you're doing the will of God like I think you should be doing it or not. You've got to be able to be free and walk your own pathway because it's your own soul and your own salvation you're working out. It says love bears all burdens. This means I got to bear, but I don't want to get too far from the thought just yet that it means love, God's love towards you bears your burdens. When you're not what you're supposed to be, he doesn't just say you're a bad girl or a bad boy and rule you out. He says, I can put up with that while they change. I can endure that while they change because I can look beyond what I see on the outside and see the spiritual integrity in their heart. I can see that they mean well. And, you know, we say, sometimes we say intentions don't mean anything, but to God they mean everything because that's exactly what it says when it says God looks at the heart. He's saying, you know, you're going to mess some stuff up. What I really care about is that you care if you mess that stuff up. I don't care so much that you mess it up. I care that you care about whether you messed it up. Because as long as you care about whether you messed it up or not, I can work with you. I can stand with you. And if you reject me today, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll give you some more of my supply to bring you up into that high place. Because I'm not giving up on you. God says, you can't change me. Right? Is that fair? Is that true? You can't change God? So that's got to mean you can't make me not be kind to you. You can't make me lose patience with you. You can't make me say you're too much trouble. You can't make me say your problems are unsolvable. You can't make me say your burdens are too big. You can't make me give up on you, and it's got nothing whatsoever to do with you. It's got to do with me, and as long as you're willing to get up and try again day by day, the love of God keeps you and abounds towards you and causes you to grow and causes you to increase. John chapter 15, I do want to read this. We're not going to be much longer, about five or six minutes. I could have used my phone and been cool, but I'm not always sure I could see it. John 15, verse 9, then we're going to skip down. He says, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So have I loved you as the fathers loved me. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. On down to verse number 12. Here's a command. This is command, this is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, just, just before we go any further in the reading, in Mark chapter 11, the Pharisees, or a lawyer, came to Jesus and said, what are the two greatest commandments? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and one of the, one of the gospel says mind. And then he adds, love your neighbor as yourself. So he added the thought, love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, it tells you exactly what it means to love your neighbor as yourself in Leviticus, I think, chapter 17. I think it is. You can find it. It's not hard to find. It goes on talking about loving your neighbor. It says, basically, he does not love his neighbor who does not confront him. So one of the things you're going to face in the future is you're going to have to figure out what kind of relationship you're going to have with the truth. Do you know what it says in Ephesians chapter 4? that speaking the truth in love is the way you grow up, not just hearing the truth. It's not me talking to you right now that's gonna make you grow up. Me, me talking to you, Jake and Jan talking to you, whomever may come speak to you can give you information and they can show you there's a door that you can open. But what makes you grow up is you taking that truth, getting it into your heart in your own way like it makes sense to you and speaking that truth back. That's what causes you to grow, that's what causes you to flourish, and there's some growth, some baby growth that'll take place when you're little, just comes from the information from you desiring the Word of God like sincere milk in a baby. But you can't live like that forever. And in our culture, in the Canadian culture explicitly, in the North American culture, we don't like to confront our neighbor. We don't like to confront our neighbor because, you know what? Our neighbor may confront us back. We, don't, we, we think that the love of God is to never get into any kind of an intense discussion. But in point of fact, it is the love of God to tell somebody what you think to be the truth in frank and clear ways and then bite your lip and listen when they tell you the truth back. Because there's something formed. There's a bond formed. When you have that kind of a relationship with the truth, and you're going to have to have that kind of a relationship with the truth to elevate you and take you beyond just being a nice gathering of sincere people, but to come into the kind of church where the presence of God is manifest not just in some platform speaker or some small group here or there, but in the body at large because they've been disciplined by that truth and they've let themselves be held accountable to it. He goes on in this passage, and we're going to close it. He goes on in this passage right here, and he says, Love one another as I've loved you. He closes that paragraph talking about what the command is. He starts it with, this is my command. He goes to the end of that paragraph. You can read it on your own. It says, and this is my command, that you love one another like I have loved you. And when you love one another like I have loved you. And how did Jesus love them? Jesus loved them with the Father's love that came to him personally, that he took and internalized and said, this is what God is saying to me. This is how God works with me. This is what the truth of his word says. And you take it and you pass it to those that you are connected to. Finally, he had them in a place 
where they understood there was something bigger than them, and it was the collective body. He had them in a place where in his definition for love, he pulled no punches. He said, no greater love has a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Now, we think in terms of that meaning take the bullet for somebody. But it's a curious fact of both Greek and Hebrew, I think, but Greek for sure, that the word for life is also the word for soul. So it's a, it's a guaranteed truth where he says, no greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his soul for his friends. You're not going to take the bullet. You're not going to sacrifice. You're not going to let yourself get hurt if you're unwilling to sacrifice your own will, if you're unwilling to sacrifice your own personality, if you're, not, if you're unwilling to sacrifice your own ideas, your own right to be right. If your drive in life is to be right, to be accurate, if you've linked being correct with your relationship with God, number one, in my small correctness, all that I know makes me be so profoundly aware that I don't really know anything at all. So if in your rightness, you think God is like you, that he is one-dimensional, and that he is completely supportive of your position, you don't know yourself, and you don't really know the Lord. Because while that might have big portions of truth in it, what this all comes down to is me being willing to let you be you and God, as long as I can look at you and see God showing himself to be alive and real in your life, looking at you and saying, it's okay for you to be you. It's okay for you to discover who he is. Let him work in your heart. Let him work in your life. And let him take you on the pathway that he wants you to go. Why would that be important? Because he has things he wants to show you that nobody else will see in quite the same way. That's why you can't be me. I know you wouldn't want to be, but you can't be me. You can't be Gene. You can't be Jake. You can't be Blake. You can't be Adrian. You can't be your spouse. The best you, the best thing you can do for everybody in your world is be the best you you can be in Christ. Because he's going to reveal truth. He's going to show you truth. And he's going to show you that in all that process, you're not complete without all the other connections that you have to have. You need that revelation. You need that spirit. You need that wisdom. Now, last thought. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And he said, I called you friends. I called you friends. We talk about what our calling is. Out of Jesus' own mouth, he said, I called you to be my friend. And to be my friend means this. To be my friend means that you... Let me love you with what I've had shared into my heart and life with the truth as I've received it. And that you receive that truth and you go make friends for Jesus in your family, in your city, where you work. You pass that friendship along because it's your high calling to be a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ and know the depth and the quality and the kind of that love that he's given to you as his friend. Being a friend of Jesus compels you to be a loving friend of everyone else.
being a friend of Jesus will change, will heal, will restore, will renew every relationship you've got. And it is absolutely the pearl of great price. You can stop measuring yourself by what you have or by what you don't have, by what you think you've received or what you didn't receive. You can simply measure the value of your life by whether the people around you understand how profoundly the love of God has touched and changed you. So, Father, I pray. I pray for this body of believers that are gathered here. I pray that they would receive the calling of being the friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hear people say, I'm a friend of God. Man, not to be judgmental, but sometimes they don't look like they're his friend. Sometimes, sometimes they look like they're his friend and nobody else's friend. And we know that when we're touched and changed by you, that it changes every aspect and every moment of our life. You've called us to be friends, and as a friend, we say, we know you're calling us upward. And therefore, we're going to pour our hearts out and tell you the truth. But you're the one calling us to a higher place. So I ask for this body of believers now that you call each and every one of us to a higher place of revelation and intimacy in you. And for this, Lord, we give you thanks and honor and glory for all the great things you've done in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking your time. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.